today I'm preaching a message called Life on Mission. What does it mean to be on mission for Jesus Christ? Um, even though we prayed, it's still always my custom to pray before I uh, break the bread of God's word. Father, words cannot express how much I need you. My total reliance is on you. I ask you speak to me, speak through me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let your people be edified and your name be glorified in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Uh, I'm going to be in Luke 9, Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, Luke 9, verse 57. Luke 9. Luke 9 is right after the eighth chapter of Luke. <laughs> Just, sorry. <laughs> You found it? Good. I'm glad. Thank you. See? Luke 9, verse 57. I'm reading from the ESV. Uh, a pastor friend of mine says it is the elect standard version. So he really, he really loves the ESV. So the ESV, uh, ch- chapter 9, verse 57, and it reads, As they were walking along, someone said, I will follow you wherever you go, Jesus. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in, the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to even lay his head, verse 59. And he said to another person, come, follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Verse 61, another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me go say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Um, In 1948, the United States embarked on a project to build this behemoth, massive, ginormous uh, warship called the SS United States. Very original name. Um, It cost $79 million to make this boat. That, that's roughly $722 million in today's money. So they spent a lot of money into um, creating this warship. This warship was supposed to be the fastest and largest ship ever created at its time. So it, it was a huge deal. The, the government's plan was to use this, um, this, this battlecraft to transport up to 10,000 troops at one time across the Atlantic Ocean in times of war, okay? Uh, Despite being successfully completed and setting numerous world records, the SS United States was never used in war. Up until 1969, it was used as a luxury cruise liner for the extremely rich. It's been docked since 1992, has not moved, and now it's in the process of being sold for scrap metal. Can you imagine something that expensive being scrapped? What's your point? The Church of Jesus Christ is a warship, not a cruise liner. We're, we, we are a troop-carrying vessel. The Church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be a, a, a troop carrying vessel. We're supposed to be taking the mission, taking the word, taking the gospel out to the world. Not for leisure uh, cruises or 
for uh, tourist attraction. Sadly, many, many churches are like the SS United States. They're not operating according to their original design, but they're preoccupied with pleasing people. They've become a tourist attraction. They focus on the desires and the comforts of people instead of the mission that they were created for. People like Martin Luther and Charles Spurgeon, Elizabeth Elliot, unlike marginal Christians who eh, love Jesus, eh, okay, these men and women, they realized that they were saved to be instruments of God's continual salvation throughout the earth. They weren't just saved for themselves. They weren't just saved for fire insurance, get out of hell free pass. They were saved to be instruments of God's continual redemption through the world. Cora Ten Boom, uh, George Mueller, um, all these great men and women, Elizabeth Elliot, Jim Elliot, all these great men and women that, that we still read about and talk about today, they realized that the essence of following Jesus is following him on his mission to redeem humanity. I'm going to repeat that. The essence of following Jesus is following him on his mission to redeem humanity. Again, it's not just about you. It's not just about your family. It's not just about your city. God has a global mission. So here's the big idea. Following Jesus means following him on his mission to save the lost. If you don't remember anything else I said, that's it. Following Jesus is not just about um, your own sanctification, your own uh, ultimate glorification and making it to heaven on your own. Following Jesus means following him on his mission to save the lost. One key overlooked characteristic of God that we overlook often is our God is a missionary. We talk about the raft of God, the holiness of God, the, the, the love of God. Did you know God was a missionary? God himself was a missionary. Let me read the definition of a missionary. A missionary is someone who is sent on or engages in a mission of monumental importance or significance and lives are at stake. Let me read it again. A missionary is someone who is sent on or engages in a mission of monumental importance or significance and lives are at stake. God himself is a God of missions. Can I prove it to you? Of course I can. I wouldn't have said it if I couldn't. Genesis chapter 3. Familiar passage of scripture to those who uh, have studied the scriptures. Genesis chapter 3. We know the story. If you've been, ever been to Sunday school once or twice. Do y'all have Sunday school over here? Okay. <laughs> Forgot I'm in a different country. If you've ever been to Sunday school or ever been to church... Adam and Eve failed. They sinned. They disobeyed God. Genesis chapter 3, the Bible says once Adam ate the apple, God himself came looking for them. Genesis chapter 3, verse 9 says, and God called out, where are you? God himself came looking for Adam and Eve. The God of the universe after Adam and Eve sinned, the Lord personally sought them out, preached the first gospel message, promised that their sin would promised that their seed would, would, would crush Satan's head, and then covered their sinfulness with the animals with the animal sacrifice. 
God the Father is a missionary. He preached the very first gospel message to Adam and Eve. God the Son was a missionary. John chapter 4, verse 31. Uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus was hung. Well, his disciples were, were real preoccupied with Jesus. You need to eat. Jesus, you need to eat. And Jesus said, John chapter 4, verse 32 says, But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Verse 33, and his disciples kept, uh, come and eat something. They, they kept trying to urge him to eat. Genesis 4, verse 34, Jesus, uh, John chapter 4, verse 34, my food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus was sent on a mission by God the Father. Jesus was a missionary. God the Father was a missionary. God the Son was sent by the Father to live the perfect life, die the perfect death for all of our salvation and redemption. Jesus was a missionary. The Holy Spirit is a missionary. John chapter 14, verse 26. This is Jesus talking to his disciples because he's getting ready to leave, but he said, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you help. Verse, uh, John chapter 14, 26, it says, But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I said to you. Again, the Holy Spirit was sent to lead us, to convict us of sin, to speak to us, to speak through us. The Holy Spirit is a missionary. So God the Father is a missionary. God the Son's a missionary. The Holy Spirit had a mission. So here's my question. All throughout Scripture, all throughout Scripture, we see God the Father personally engaging men. He came to Adam, came to Noah, came to Mo, uh, Moses, Jonah, the sto- Isaiah, the, 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 the list goes on. God pers- personally sought these men out. We see, the Holy, we see the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ were sent to earth with a specific mission. Here's my question. If our God is on the move, if our God is on mission, if our God is, 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 is engaged in trying to redeem humanity, why are so many Christians on the sidelines? A friend of mine used this analogy, and I stole it from him. He said, many churches are like the, like the football field, well, American football field. You got, you got thousands on the sidelines cheering while you got a few guys on the field sweating and doing all the hard work. If if our God, if if Jesus Christ was a missionary sent on a mission, if, if God personally left heaven to engage man, why are so many Christians not in the game? This message is for Christians and non-Christians. My, my goal is to, 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 to help you realize that it's not just about this when we come together. Many, many Christians, we have it so twisted and misconstrued. When we come to church, this is halftime. This isn't the game. This is halftime. Well, uh, you guys are hockey. With, with intermission. Got you with intermission? Got you with intermission? All right. I've watched hockey twice in my whole life. I can't do it. Uh, again, I'm from Detroit. I don't, I don't, don't even root for the Red Wings. Please forgive me. I don't know. Don't watch hockey. Um, but this is intermission. This is intermission. When we come to church, when we, when we gather in small groups or what have you, that's intermission. That's not the game. 
We come together. Hebrews 10 says we come together to spur each other on for good works and to encourage each other. But then it's back out there. That's the game. Your place of work is the game. Your school is the game. Amen? So, so again, th- this, is, this is for Christians and non-Christians. Uh, many Christians uh, come to Christ under false pretenses. They come for what they can get from Jesus Christ. doesn't work like that. One day Jesus, well, in, the same, in the same chapter, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus was walking. And the Bible said there were thousands of people along with his disciples following him. So he was walking and he turned around and says, if any man follows me, he must take up his cross and die. In John chapter 6, Jesus had just finished feeding 5,000 men and women and children. And there was, he walked on water. It, it, was just, it was just a lot going on. And people were following him. John chapter 6. He said, unless you eat of my flesh, drink of my blood, you can't be one with me. The Bible says everybody turned and went back home. <laughs> I'm letting, this is what Jesus requires. He doesn't doesn't just want you to come and be another one in the stands. He he says, if you're going to follow me, your life belongs to me, and now it's time for you to get in the game, get on this mission. Again, following Jesus Christ means following him on his mission to save the lost and to make disciples. Now, notice this. If you have a Bible, flip to uh, Matthew chapter 4 real quick, if you have a Bible. Matthew 4. Matthew 4, verse 18. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. And it reads, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting nets into the, the uh, casting their nets into the lake. Uh-oh. Ooh, 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 ooh. Sorry, lost it. Darn these technical things. They were casting their nets into the lake, for they were fishermen. Verse 19, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Now, notice what Jesus did not say. Notice what Jesus did not say. He did not say, come and follow me, and I will make you members of a church. He did not say, come and follow me, and I will bless you. Come and follow me, and you will be happy. Come and follow me, and everything will be great. Come and follow me, and you will have your best life now. He didn't say any of those things. He said, come and follow me, and I'm going to make more people follow me through you. That was in the initial call to follow Jesus. It wasn't this come, and then you sit, and then you, you, you learn a whole lot about Jesus, and then you can go out. He said, come come follow me, and while you're following me, people are going to follow you through me. This is the awesome, wonderful, beautiful thing about Jesus Christ. No matter where you're at in the game, no matter if you've been walking with him for three years, three days, 30 years, Jesus wants to use you to win people. He, He wants to change your life so radically 
No matter what your scripture knowledge is, no matter what your, if you've been to seminary, not been to seminary, no matter about any of those things, he wants to use you, no matter if you just got saved last week, he wants to use your life as a light in this dark world and draw people through your life. I remember, when I, I remember when I first got saved, I got saved at the age of 19. I didn't know anything about the scriptures, but I started a Bible study. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. It was a mistake. But I noticed when I first got saved, people were so, because I was living a different lifestyle. I wasn't doing the things I used to do. I wasn't going those places. Just the fact that my life was different, people were drawn to me. Didn't know anything about the gospel. Didn't know anything about nothing. I just knew that Jesus saved me, and I want to follow him, and people were drawn to that. No matter where you're at in the game, he said, follow me, and I'm going to make you a fisher of men and women. Again, following Jesus means following him on his mission to save the lost and to make disciples. It's just that simple. One of my favorite authors, his name was Charles Spurgeon, old dead guy, but he's still one of my favorite authors. He said, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. I tweet that every every couple months. I'll just tweet that. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. It's just that simple. We were called not just for our own sanctification and salvation, we were redeemed to be agents of change in our communities, in our cities, in our schools, in our homes, in our world. That's why we were saved, not just for ourselves. Hudson Taylor, a famous foreign missionary, he said, the Great Commission, the Great Commission, Jesus said, go preach, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teach them uh, to obey me. That's the Great Commission. That's Matthew chapter 28, verse uh, 19. The Great Commission is not an option to be considered, but a command to be obeyed. Each and every one of us are called to ministry, to missions, to work. When I first got saved, there was this thing that, you know, I talked to different people, and they said, oh, you're, quote, called to ministry. Like, I'm special. We do the hard work. Pastor guys. When I started reading the Bible, I'm like, wait a minute. This, this is for all of us. This is for all of us. I can't go to your job and witness to your coworker. They need to be saved too. I can't go to your school. I, I can't go to these places. We are all called to ministry. I, I love it. In, in, in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul talks about the fivefold ministry, the prophets, the apostles, the teachers, the pastors, the evangelists. He says, it's those guys' job to train the saints for what? For the work of ministry. So it's Pastor Garth's job to train you for your ministry, not Pastor Garth's job to do the ministry. Okay? So again, let's go back to this math. Uh, let's go back to Luke chapter 9. I'm, and I'm... Um, I'm going to chop this up a little bit, and then, and then I'll be out of your way. Back to Luke 9. So we see three guys in Luke 9. We see one man, he said, Lord, I'll follow you. And Jesus said, foxes have dens to live in, birds have nests, but the Son of God has no place to lay his head. Another man said, I'll follow you, but he said, Lord, let me first go home and uh, uh, bury my father. Another man said, Lord, I'll follow you, but let me, let me go say goodbye to my family. 
Now, uh, just a brief context of uh, Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, this is where Jesus' public ministry is beginning to gain attention. It It even got to King Herod. King Herod was like, okay, Um, Who is this guy? What's going on? I need to watch him. Jesus is beginning to do more miracles publicly. He's preaching publicly. So he even sent his disciples out to preach and to heal. So so Jesus' ministry is starting to get attention of the people around him and the authorities. So people naturally gravitate to that. People gravitate. Wow. Wait a minute. Somebody was raised from the dead. Okay, let let me see what's going on with this. He fed 5,000 men and their wives and their children. Let me go see what's going on. So people are starting to gravitate to Jesus, and people want to follow Jesus. So now Jesus is beginning to deal with um, people who want to follow him other than his original 12 disciples. So two real quick takeaways. Two real quick takeaways. The mission of God is more important than your earthly comfort, And the mission of God is more important than your earthly relationships. Again, God's mission is more important than your earthly comforts. And God's mission is more important than your earthly relationships. The first would-be follower of Jesus in Luke 9 was, was met with a rather sharp, rather sharp rebuke. Jesus basically said, yeah, you don't want to follow me because I'm homeless. You want to follow a homeless rabbi? Come on, raise your hand. You want to follow a homeless rabbi? He said, foxes have, uh, have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no way to lay his head. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying he's so consumed, so consumed with doing his Father's will. I read the scripture in John chapter 14. Eating wasn't even a, a, a something that he needed to do. Even eating, feeding his physical body wasn't something he was too concerned about. Where he lived wasn't too, something he was too concerned about. Jesus was so consumed with the mission of God, earthly comforts meant nothing to him. Sadly, many people come to Jesus for what? Those earthly comforts. Uh, a, few, a few months ago, uh, Pastor Garth and I were on a panel at a, a, a pastor's conference thingamajig, and, and the, the topic was the prosperity gospel. Basically, people come to Jesus to get. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work that way. There were many people who Jesus said, yeah, come on and follow me. Matter of fact, leave everything you got. When he sent his disciples out, he said, don't take a money bag. Don't take a money purse. Don't take any of that. It's not about that. Many people think that they're following Jesus until Jesus begins to interfere with their lives. But, 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 but uh, until Jesus begins to interfere with their personal agendas, their jobs, Jesus will mess with your comfort. You cannot be comfortable and follow a homeless rabbi. The poster boy for this is in Mark chapter 10. I'm going to read it real quick. You know the story if you've been in Sunday school or you've been to church a couple times. There was a man named the rich young ruler. He was setting out on a journey and a man ran up to him and he knelt before him. Good teacher. What should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's no one good but God himself, God alone. Do you know the commandments? Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, do not bear false witness, honor your mother and father. And he said to him, teacher, I have kept all of these things from my youth. This is important. 
Verse 21, looking at him, Jesus felt love for him. And he said to him, one thing you lack, go and sell all of your possessions, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Verse 22, but these words saddened him, made him sad, and grieved him. And he went away, for he owned much property. So we see a contrast. When Jesus was walking on the shore of Galilee, there were some guys. He said, hey, come follow me. The Bible says they left their nets. They even left their father in the boat, got up and followed Jesus, left everything behind to follow a homeless rabbi that they just met. This man, moral young man, religious, kept the commandments. He, he does better than a lot of people who go to church every Sunday. Say, I keep the commandments. But Jesus said, one thing you lack. One thing you lack. Your security is in your earthly wealth. Your security is in your property. Your, your security is in that and not in me alone. He said, go sell everything and you'll have treasure in heaven. Man couldn't part with that. As a, as a believer, there's, there, there's not a lot of black and white. I mean, there's not a lot of gray area. This is, it's pretty black and white. You're going to be like the brothers who, who left the boat and followed Jesus? Or, or you're going to be like the person who's concerned with their earthly comfort? Oh, I, you know, I, I would, but I, I can't. You know, I play golf on Sunday. Oh, I, I, I work on Sunday. My job's really demanding. Following Jesus the mission of God, the mission to save humanity, the mission to free as many people from hell as possible is so much greater than our comfort, than our earthly comforts, than our money, than, than, than our leisure time, our time to relax. People ask me, you know, wow, you're really busy. When do you relax? Um, probably in heaven. I'm going to relax a little bit in heaven and sing. <laughs> I give my time to my family. I give my time to ministry. And I don't have a lot of time for, I don't have a lot of time for anything else. Because I realize that, 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 that soul, people's lives, people, people's eternal destinations are at stake. That's so much more important than me, be, me being able to watch the Lions which lose almost every week, but that's another story. Or, or me being able to relax, and me being able, to, this is important. I have, I have loved ones that, that are related to me that are lost. That's so much more important than my, my ease in life. So the mission of God is more, much more important than our earthly comforts, and the mission of God is more important than even our earthly relationships. And I'm, I'm pulling in the driveway. I'm closing, or I'm rounding third. The mission of God is more important than our earthly relationships. In Luke 9, two more guys said, hey, Jesus, I'll follow you, but just get time out. Give me a second. Let me go bury my father, and let me go say goodbye to my family. Two very reasonable requests. I, I would say, you know, th those are reasonable. Those, those, those things aren't, you know, you know, something that we should wag our finger at. But Jesus was, was rather sharp, wasn't he? He said, you can't put your hand to the plow and look back. 
He said, let the dead bury the dead. You go preach the kingdom. Jesus is a king. Did you know that? Jesus is a king. And as a king, Jesus doesn't make requests. He gives commands. And if we're going to follow him as a king, there's not a whole lot of negotiation. There's no negotiation, really. Uh, uh, really. But, but this, this mission, God's mission, is even more important than our earthly relationships. Now, let me, let because me, when I say that, that sounds like, whoa. Are our marriages important? Absolutely. Are, is raising our children important? Absolutely. But the wife, the child, those relationships, we're supposed to bring them on mission with us. It's not something we separate. You understand what I'm saying? You, you, you feel because I because I, 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 I when I said that one time, pe- people a lot of people were like, oh my gosh! So you, you don't love absolutely my wife. I love my wife. Absolutely, I love my children. I don't tell people I'm planting a church. I tell people we are planting a church. My wife is planting a church. My children are planting a church. My, we, we we we're supposed to bring our family on mission with us. There's no separation between family mission. Family, God, there's no separation. But sadly, there are times when the people who who we love will pull us away from God's mission, will try to pull us away from those things. Sadly, unfortunately. Jesus was so demanding and Jesus was so harsh even because he was trying to convey convey the fact that joining him on his mission to save humanity is much more important than our earthly relationships. Again, we don't separate ourselves from those people. We bring them on mission with us. One man who understood this very well was Diedrich Bonhoeffer. He came from a very wealthy, affluent family, and his, his parents wanted him to go into the family business. He wanted, his parents wanted him, to be, wanted him to be a doctor. But he had this crazy idea to move to Germany and protest and stand against Adolf Hitler's uh, regime, his reign of terror. His father and his mother pleaded with him. They begged him, do anything but do not go to Germany and protest the most evil man on earth. But he felt so compelled, so called of God. He left everything, left everything behind and moved to Germany. He protested. He wrote letters. He stood against the most, one of the most powerful men and the most dangerous and evil men on earth. He was ultimately arrested, tortured, and hung for standing against Hitler and speaking out against him. Following Christ was more important than his family's approval and his family's plan for his life. I said. I say this tongue-in-cheek often, God loves you, but your family has a wonderful plan for your life. <laughs> when, I told, when I told my family that I was going into ministry at 19, they thought, it was, they thought it was a joke because they knew me before and they knew all that other stuff. They thought, it, they thought I was crazy. They thought I was, they thought I was just chasing a trend. And, and many of them didn't approve it. I had to choose, who am I going to follow? Am I going to follow 
my family, who I love, follow their plan for my life, their desires for my life, or am I going to follow the Savior that gave everything for me? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his classic book, The Cost of Discipleship, the same man who, 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 who I just talked about, in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, he said this, when, a man, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. When Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. In conclusion, can you imagine the change in, in this city? Can you imagine the change in, in, in your country if Christians, all pe- people who call themselves Christians, people, Jesus people, Jesus' disciples, can you imagine the change if, if we adopted this mentality of, you know what? My earthly desires, my earthly comfort, the desires of people, well-meaning people who love me, they're all great, but I'm going to live on mission for Christ. I, I, I am going to be a walking billboard for Jesus. I'm going to live the gospel in such a way that my, my coworkers, my, my classmates, my neighbors see it. Just imagine if, 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 if me planting a church in Detroit, if, if the people in Detroit, the churches in Detroit, rose up and said, we're going to live in such a way that our lives require, require a gospel explanation. Can you imagine the change? That would change the world. That's better than any elected official. That's better than any social change. Just imagine if Christians were like Christ. Again, I, I'm in the process of planting uh, a church on the, the northwest side of, of Detroit. I, I, I'm planting in a place where uh, 78% of children don't have a father in the home. Eight out of ten. Planting in a place where the, the median income is 21000 I'm planting in a city that, that, that was knocking on 400 homicides last year. And people think I'm absolutely crazy. But I take, I, take, I take that literally. When Jesus said, you take up your cross and follow me, me, my wife, and my children, we are taking up our crosses and following him into the northwest side of Detroit. And I just ask that you pray for me. Amen. Let me close in prayer. Father, we thank you that you are a God who sought us out, Lord. The prophet Isaiah said we were all like sheep, gone astray, but you sought us out. You, you went after us, Lord God, and you redeemed us. You purchased us. And we're just so thankful for all that you've done, um, Heavenly Father, through your son, Jesus Christ. We ask that you forgive us for elevating our uncle earthly comforts and our earthly relationships and our desires. Forgive us for elevating that above your mission. This monumental mission to save humanity is, is much more important than anything on our agenda, Lord God. We ask that you forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for those times that, that everything is more important than you. Forgive us, Lord Jesus. And I, I just ask that you continue to bless the gathering church as they uh, seek to impact this city. I ask that you continue to bless uh, Pastor Garth, continue to strengthen him, continue to bless his marriage, continue to bless everything that he puts his hands to. 
Bless the men and women of this church that they will go out and they will live on mission for you. And there will be great change and there will be a great revival and a great awakening. This is my prayer in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.